we got another day of NBA action. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every night a watch party only on FanDuel. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Welcome to this free episode of Dunk Down. If you would like to listen to all the team previews, you can subscribe to Dunk Down Prime at dunkdown.supportingcast.fm. That's dunkdown.supportingcast.fm. All right, welcome on to one of my favorite, one of the world's favorite NBA beat writers, Anthony V. Slater of The Athletic. How are you doing, man? You always drop the V in there. I feel like uh, you're, you're one of the interviewees that always wants to drop the V in. No, I'm an interviewer. Oh, yeah, you're right. I don't know. I guess usually <laughs> you are the interviewee when we're doing podcasts. <laughs> Maybe that's uh what i'm thinking oh yeah i guess that's true yeah because we we uh we usually do a few throughout the year on the popular all 82 that might need to have a different number at the end of it but nonetheless uh still a very popular golden state warriors podcast and and i guess because i'm always i've always just emailed you so i see the v and that's when uh you sound well you also sound like a listener here you're taking shots at me because you know i used to do 82 podcasts after 82 games certainly don't do that anymore but uh i definitely get grief from it but i'm not changing the name all right i'm i I at least view and am at most of 82 and view all 82 yeah okay well that's uh, that's certainly fair i i'm not taking shots at you i'm taking shots at the name do you you control the name i don't Uh, know i just made it a while ago and we now have merged it with warriors plus minus and i don't know i mean what do you want me to rename it warriors like 55 or something (laughs) well how how about you can at least get yourself uh eligible for all nba consideration make it make it 65 that's like can, can that be the steep. goal you, you need that to be eligible for uh the nba podcast awards otherwise you know, can, we, can't be considered. can we include any of the preseason games i do and definitely the postseason games if we do playoffs <laughs> too, I think I'll get to 65. all right well you're uh you've, you're better at uh collective bargaining than uh, the nba players association apparently to to get me to sign off on that <laughs> all uh, right all right, speaking of bargaining, uh, Mike Dunleavy Jr. is the new Warriors GM. He came in to the offseason with a bang. Chris Paul is a Warrior. Jordan Poole decidedly is not. And I guess uh, my the first thing I want to talk about here is like, does this, does this feel like real? Is this... Uh, to have Chris Paul on this team, like, does it seem like they really think he's going to help them, that he's going to fit in? It, it's like he's a good player. He kind of fills a need, but it's also it's 
it does seem kind of odd and that maybe there could be some financial aspects to it as well. Well, there's obvious, like they're not even hiding from the financial aspects. Yeah. Every time Mike Dunleavy Jr. asked about it, he mentions like the financial component, which, um, you know, the second apron was kind of dropped on their head. You mentioned the collective bargaining agreement um, and they decided to get out in front of it this summer. You know, it, obviously uh, the, the punitive restrictions that they are concerned about don't trigger until next summer. But if Jordan Poole was on the books and Clay Thompson still is, you know, searching for an extension and, and Draymond Green was going to come back as they planned to bring him back, uh, then they were already in trouble next summer. And, and flipping Paul for uh, Poole gets them, you know, un- unlocks the handcuffs a little bit because Paul has $30 million, you know, next season, but it's fully non-guaranteed um, pool. You know, you get him off the books. Now it's much more reasonable to think you can get Clay Thompson back on, on a number that still keeps you under the second apron. Um, or, you know, may, you know, maybe they decide they do want Chris Paul back. But I would say, um, yes, there was a financial component. A big part of this deal was that. But to your original question, like, do they think Chris Paul can help or is he just some like throw in? No, I think, I mean, like, depends on who you ask, I guess, but like Steve Kerr certainly is like really excited for, particularly from a, um, ball security <laughs> smart standpoint. Uh, I mean, I don't know how, you know, that's he, he loves mentioning two stats from last season, uh, that he believes are, you know, correlative and concerned him which was they were like number one in pace yet like 29th in in turnover rate you know they were just they were just frantically going you know up the court yet turning it over like you know basically more than anybody in the league obviously that is a lot of there are a lot of uh, people on the team that can be blamed Draymond Green can get wild at times we know Steph Curry but Jordan Poole uh, may have been the ugliest of that batch of turnovers last year with Jordan Poole. So flipping him for Chris Paul, slowing the game down, particularly when Steph Curry's off the court, uh, there are people that believe that will make them a better team this season, and that's a Chris Paul-related thing. Let's take a step back then. Uh, I, I just we set the scene here, but let's talk about last season's team a little bit uh, because it was you had all sorts of false starts. There was the Wiseman era. They start three and seven mostly because the bench sucks. Clay Thompson comes in out of shape, uh, finished the season on on a terrible note as well. Though he did have some very very good moments, led the NBA and made threes. Is a, I know it's a big stat that you're a fan of, but like. How close were these guys last year? Like, is it reasonable to think, okay, we keep this core together. We bring in Chris Paul. He maybe shores up a weakness. You know, maybe we're going to be a little bit, Jordan Poole not being there opens up maybe a weakness during the regular season. But Chris Paul, we can actually count on him in the playoffs if healthy. Uh, Or, you know, we think Clay can play better. through that if healthy qualifier right in there. Sure, sure. A little quick if healthy on Chris Paul. (laughs) Um, But but yeah, so, so like, were these guys close Last year, like, like, is it reasonable to believe, hey, we just made a few tweaks here and, you know, maybe they weren't close last year, but some things could go right for them this year in a way that they didn't last year and, like, they can be back in the mix? Or is that just like, hey, you know, they're a, a lot further away than Chris Paul and some guys playing a little better to get back into it? I'd almost say, like, close by default in, in what I think is an overrated, very average Western Conference. Um, you know, they were in the second round last year. They had a, you know, they they were 
beat up in game six by the Lakers, but I think part of that was because they were beat up in that. You know, Andrew Wiggins, who you didn't even mention his season, uh, you know, that he went through. He was two seasons ago when they win the title. He's the second best player basically in, during that title run. Last year, he disappears for half the season. He's even injured when he's there. And, and in that game six, I mentioned he has a broken rib. LeBron's going right through him. I think that was like a pretty big factor. But, you know, let's say Wiggins is healthy. Let's say Lonnie Walker doesn't have this out of body game four experience. Um, there was, you know, some game one screw ups. Like there's still internal belief like that they, they could have won that Lakers series. Not that they should have. Uh, I think, you know, even after the series, they mentioned like they kind of maxed out what they were, what that group was. There was so much just turbulence through the season, obviously dating back to the preseason punch. Um, but at the same time, like they, they, we're kind of in an almost toss-up series with the Lakers in the second round. Could have got to the West Finals. If they did get to the West Finals, I think they're getting you know blasted off the floor by the Nuggets. And if you were to be skeptical of them this season as it as they enter this season, they're still clearly a, a, a ring below the Nuggets, uh, as is every other team in the West, I'd say. Um, so I wouldn't put them on that stage quite yet. But I think with some tweaks here and there with just a... Um, motivational change just a hunger change a, a chemistry change whatever you want to call it behind the scenes that that i think they're clearly going to have happen um they injected you know some more adults in the room they like to say obviously chris paul but dario Saric is now going to be part of their rotation also sure i think i, I in a, once again what i believe to be not that great of a west i think they're right in that mix below denver yeah. Now, of course, you have to actually beat Denver, and you have to actually beat whoever came out of the East to too. But yeah, I mean, it does it does seem kind of weird to be like, okay, you know, they made the second round last year, and like, yeah, if they do that again, like you're, it's kind of still continuing to play out this era, and like, you know, almost like a feeling like, hey, they should just be maybe even like kind of satisfied with that. Like, it doesn't. That's kind of been the feeling to me a little bit, where it's just like, hey, you know, we're all here, we're still we're still keeping it together. We brought Draymond back, Steph's under contract, Clay is probably not going to go anywhere let's just like keep these three guys around and we'll try to build around them and but you know what like if we're not at the absolute highest possible echelon like it it does seem like maybe a little i don't know maybe you disagree on this but like it, it seems like there is like a little bit of a change of thinking like okay yeah maybe we can get hot and we get it but it's like there's an acknowledgement that all right if we're gonna go into these seasons and we're not like one of the absolute favorites that that's like that's almost okay i don't know i i, I can't even put my finger on why i feel that way but what do you think of that yeah i mean i know what you're saying i think we all know that they part of their plan for this extension of this era was to like hit on their three big lottery picks and uh you know the two timeline bridge to the future whatever you want to call it uh and i think slowly maybe later than other people came to the realization that they that wasn't really happening now i still think jonathan kaminga can help i think moses moody uh, showed some stuff in the playoffs we'll probably get to them a little bit later in this podcast uh, but it was became it became clear they didn't just get this next like contending uh you know core below their their current core i mean wiseman's been shipped off kaminga looks long term like hey he could be like a helpful two-way forward maybe uh same with moody so it it became obvious to them and clearly it's mike dunleavy's strategy as he steps into the job that uh they need to pivot more to the now but i, I mean i think what you're saying is well they didn't go all in you know you didn't trade all your picks trade your guys try to get you know uh, really juice up everything for this season 
um, which I guess you could have done, but I do think there's still a protection of what they are in the future, a protection of their picks and their, and their young guys, um, while also wanting to prioritize, like, look, these guys have earned in it. Like, you also don't want to just completely, you know, hit the eject button and rebuild. You still uh, want to fill Chase Center. You still want to respect the Draymond Green, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson era. Um, and, and maybe there isn't the hunger level of, of some of the other teams across the league that have gone all in. Phoenix is a good example of that. Uh, and, and maybe Maybe part of that is like, you know, Phoenix is chasing just one title. Warriors have four. Last year was the <laughs> the cherry on top title, right? I mean, the one that they won in Boston cemented everything that this core has ever been. Um, they can fall off now and nobody in the long term will, you know, be very, uh, you know, will question how it ended. To me, it kind of ended in Boston with that stamp on it. So uh, everything's a little bit gravy now. And, and maybe that's what you're feeling. Yeah, that's uh, that's fair, I guess. And maybe it's also reflective of the fact that there isn't really another path that's going to work. Like, what are they going to do? Is there some superstar trade out there to bring in someone who is just going to be like, you know, like is Giannis Antetokounmpo, like, are they going to bring him in or something like that? To me, at this point, if you're really going to push this era beyond maybe like this year, as far like I thought last year might be the last year of their championship contention, then Steph had a great year and still, had, you know, dropped 50 in a game seven, although he petered out in the Lakers series and probably had too much to do. And, you know, Clay and Draymond, they, they wore down a little bit, but all right, maybe they can summon the magic one more time. Like, it's not crazy to think that, but to really maintain this era, they need another, like, you know, top 10 in the league superstar as these guys fall off that just doesn't really seem to be forthcoming yeah look if Giannis became available they would be in the line of about 10 you know teams that would try to get him um but I think what you're mentioning like maybe this summer you didn't feel some desperate search for like well what would they give up for Siakamo should they get in the James Harden sweepstakes you know Lillard's obviously been a name that everybody is looking for somebody that is in the heat that can maybe go out and get him and you know the Warriors they're just not entering that mix and 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 if there was more desperation, maybe you would see them kick the tires a little bit more on that. But I do think it's either kind of the status quo of what they have, retooling around this this Curry Draymond, you know, pairing, which I think you kind of have to have pretty unique players around, which they've learned, you know, particularly through some of their draft picks, uh, while also, you know, they still have enough in the cupboard to maybe enter the mix if there is a guy out there you know i don't think their package would would be at the top of the list of maybe getting Giannis. but let's say Giannis wanted to direct himself there they at least have you know they do have a lot of their their picks they do have at this point maybe declining young assets but still intriguing enough young assets um so like I, i wouldn't completely call them off of that but i would agree with you that you know they 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 haven't juiced up the the talent cupboard enough to to where they you know uh, would be considered right there with Denver. Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. 
we ended up having to return it because hey guess what not everyone is the same and then she did some more research and found helix sleep we took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types and uh, helix offers 20 unique mattresses everybody sleeps differently and helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences hot or cold side sleeper back sleeper so take that helix sleep quiz find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge it's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home you're like well how should i order this if i can't sleep I'm like yeah you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do i take my shoes off do i leave my shoes on but then my feet kind of hang off the bed because i don't want to put my shoes on the bed and is it weird that i'm laying here for more than 30 seconds you can't tell anything under those circumstances you might as well just order it get it sent to your house get that 100 night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace easier slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash capspace this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us man i just love american giant just an amazing clothing company i was reminded again of how much i love it when i drove from california to montana over the all-star break and you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas you're like well i don't want to wear like my jacket in the car but then i get out to fill gas I'm going to be freezing, but the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm, it's not too hot as well. So I was able to wear it in the car, not be too hot, step out of the car and still be warm enough when I was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that I didn't feel like I needed my jacket, even when it was cold outside. These things are amazingly durable. I proposed to my wife wearing an American Giant hoodie in the Grand Canyon almost seven years ago. I still own that same hoodie. I still wear it constantly. And American Giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout you remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us so it's going to be uh the old lions back to work uh once again steph curry clay thompson draymond green where did you think those three guys were last year and how realistic is it for those guys to actually be at the top of the league come come playoff time as the three best players on this team i, I mean steph will start there i mean obviously he's the most important in the sense of like you have to have a top five top seven guy in the league in my opinion really to win the title and two seasons ago which at this point was what only like 15 16 17 months ago he was that uh i i didn't see any steep decline last year you know i think we've talked on this podcast the last 
you know, this version of the podcast where we do these season previews the last probably what, four seasons, yeah. wondering if a Steph Curry decline is coming. At times, uh, you know, believing we had seen some slippage last season, it was hard to even say that because of what he had just done to the Celtics in the finals after a deep playoff run. Um, you know, you still, again, you're going to expect 60 to 65 games, probably some minor bumps and bruises during the season. Uh, you, you know, you're going to need him fully healthy come playoff time. You know, he's going to stay in, in elite shape. The shot is going to age well, uh, you know, in the 40% plus. He shot it better last season than he did the year before. People forget in the title season, that regular season, he really kind of slumped. Um, but I just think of the, the shape he keeps himself physically, how his family genetics seem to, uh, you know, they seem to, uh, mature like later like in their early 30s i mean you look at seth curry the way his career's gone you look at del curry the way his career's gone they kind of uh their primes do seem to be you know 30 31 32 range and then steph i just think with the way he he works and how he works is, is has extended that further i think you know it's reasonable to believe he's a top 10 player again a top five if you really stretch it especially come playoffs with the way uh you know just what he does on the court to, to defenses draymond green you know he's he's an all defensive player. I you I think you have a lot of smart people that put him right there in the defensive player of the year conversation last year. I believe I put him third. Some people put him first. Like, did you put him first? Yeah. No. I think I think uh, Danny and I were the ones probably driving that train the the most, at least among people that uh, that I follow. Uh, you know, because I thought yeah. statistically, so that I mean, Jaron was better than him. I think you know per play, but Draymond just played a a, a lot more than him. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I mean. In his case, then, like regardless of like what ma- it doesn't matter if he should have won it or not last year. What matters is like he's clearly still a, that type of defensive player that he's in that conversation. I think he will be uh, probably the next couple seasons. You know, obviously they just they linked up with him for four more. Uh, offensively, their question marks remain, but question marks have been there back to when they won the title. You know, they won the title with, in, in my opinion, the same offensive version of Draymond Green. So he's the same player as the guy that won the title with. I think Clay. Um, you know, uh, you mentioned obviously led the, the league and made threes. I know Mike Dunleavy likes to cite the January February numbers, where basically it was two of his best offensive months of his entire career. Uh, he was worn down at the end of the season and not in shape early in the season. He has corrected some of his summer routines this year. He is, you know, you you see highlights out there where he's in New York playing pickup, L.A. playing pickup. So I he says he's very committed to showing up in a much better place than he showed up last preseason we'll see but but it, it, the early signs are good there he's gonna still shoot it well he's gonna be you know he's kind of a three four now especially defensively um so he in some ways what he's become forces them to play these smaller lineups they're going to be very small this season especially when chris paul is injected into it next to them um but at the same time is clay thompson measurably worse than he was when they won the title a couple years ago no i mean you you might even say he's a little bit fresher and better because that wasn't that far off his return so i think those three in a lot of ways are kind of the same players as they were 18 months ago i don't know if you disagree yeah i i think you know stuff again like he put up 50 in a, in a game seven now i do think going up against like real interior athleticism is kind of where stuff runs into the biggest problems and that's why i thought one of the biggest reasons he struggled in the lakers series and you know when you talk about them possibly winning that lakers series like they all Steph and clay shot pretty badly 
uh, in that series, particularly in the games that mattered. But I mean, it did feel like being in the building for that game six, like they just were not close. Like they were just completely overwhelmed. It always felt like they were fighting uphill. Although even when they were good, a lot of times it'd feel that way because they're just, they're always smaller. Like they can look like they're getting overwhelmed and then they just hit you with an avalanche of threes, but that never came in the Lakers series. I think for Steph, he's... The calendar tells me, okay, you got to be prepared for some drop off at this point. Even if he just had, you know, maybe one of the three best age 34 or higher playoff runs ever two years ago, and then you know, one of the best ever age 35 regular seasons that anyone has ever had uh, a year ago. Now we're getting up to 36, though. Like that's when you, even the absolute best of the best, I don't know if there's really ever been a player over 35. Like, I think LeBron's last season to me where he was like truly at an MVP level is when they won the championship. That was 35. That was MJ's last season. So it's just historically it is asking so much once you get into the second half of your 30s to be a top five player in the league. And that's really like the way they're built. Like Steph has to be that. Like if he's not that. Well, yeah. yeah I mean, like the, just, the days of done. winning. Yeah. The days of winning championships are over the minute. Steph Curry's ability to be the best player on a championship team is over because like. You know, Clay's not built for that. Draymond's not built for that. Wiggins is not suddenly going to be like, okay, yeah. you know, basically, you know, if you look at the Lakers, LeBron is trying to pass the baton to Anthony Davis and say, we'll still compete for titles. You come take over best player mantle. I'll be like number two, maybe on occasional nights, number one. The Warriors don't have that. <laughs> you know, you're not handing no. that mantle over to Andrew Wiggins. So it's just Steph Curry is who he has been the last few years, or they're just not contenders. But, you know, Steph believes he still will be in the Warriors this summer. Part of their strategy, you know, and, and, you know, they're open about it behind the scenes. Like we're just, we think Steph still can be the best player on the title team. Uh, and, and if they're wrong, then, you know, they're, they're spending a lot of money for a non-contender. I think it could be very interesting too. I kind of had this approach with the Lakers last year. They, of course, were in a much different place and they had Westbrook. But I was like, hey, let's see, especially with the injury issues, like let's see where LeBron and AD are at before you're going to go throw a bunch of future assets to try to improve this team. And maybe that's a, a similar approach to what the Warriors could do where it's like, all right, Clay, Draymond, Steph, like they come out, they're looking amazing so far. Like they're solidly in the top four in the West. Then maybe you do think about uh, possibly making a move uh, to upgrade around them, try to get one more championship, uh, you know, with more of kind of a veteran player who might be available. But, you know, if they're not, then maybe it's like, all right, you know, we'll just be second round contenders for a couple of years. And Steph Gray and Draymond Green and Clay Thompson will retire and we'll have some teary eyed ceremonies. And, you know, you get to have these three guys be on this team for, uh, you know, their entire careers. So yeah, which they've yeah. kind of earned, sure. like you know, and you want to like fill up Chase Center, and and you don't want bad divorces with these guys, right? I mean, uh, it's maybe inevitable. I I thought the Draymond Green bad divorce was was always inevitable, and I thought it was maybe coming this summer at times until you know it recorrected. But like what you like the path you just laid out, while it includes no more titles, still is probably how you want to go into the sun with this you know four title core right yeah no, no i think so so I, I guess let's uh let's talk a little bit more about i mean because last year was so weird right I, I mean is there anything else that you when you look back at last year that you feel like is is particularly salient as we start to look ahead more to this year yeah you know you you kind of uh, mentioned the three and seven start in your uh lead-in and this this is a team and a coaching staff that really references the start of their last two seasons as like 
pivotal. Uh, you go back to the title year, they went 18 and two going into that season at we're, we're kind of talking how we're talking now before sure. two seasons ago, which was basically like, yeah, yeah, you know, agent core, they're the probably second round at best. Like they don't got it. They went 18 and two and pretty quickly through 20 games established like, oh no, this is a true contender. And, then they ended up winning the title, but like they still go, hey, it was the eighteen and two that made us believe that that, that that created the core of a rotation and a belief that they could do it. Then, you know, fast forward to the next season, you get the Japan trip, which I think threw them off a little bit. And then, right when they get back, three four days later, obviously the Draymond punch of pool, which is you know the cloud over that is all the contract negotiations they were going through and then you enter the season you're trying to um you're giving kind of courtesy minutes to young guys that you're trying to fast forward their their development because uh, they were of the belief even if they were a little worse early in the season maybe if all oh, james wiseman coming are better later in the season um but now in retrospect they they think that three and seven season kind of or start just derailed the season um and that to me the, the way they're talking makes me believe that they're really going to be motivated early this year uh they're going to try i remember in that preseason of two years ago they went five and oh and they like they really went after it like he was playing like bielitsa over uh you know their young guys and it was kind of like should you be doing that but they had a ready rotation game one ripped off a, a, a huge win streak to start the year i think they're going to try to do that this year um you know that's very road heavy to start the season but uh i just like i do feel a different level of hunger that reminds me of two seasons ago compared to last season and then another thing too of course is andrew wiggins who just basically didn't play the last half of the year and and then made his debut in the playoffs doesn't play game one against the the kings as a starter uh it comes in misses the the shot you know clearly he helped them but wasn't truly in rhythm offensively then he has uh the rib cartilage issue where he couldn't defend lebron anymore and so that that was really difficult uh, for them also, and he's you know as we noted was maybe their second best player, and so he's kind of just disappeared, and he, they really missed him. Kaminga came on a little bit. Um, I, I think the biggest thing that I is a variable for me as I think about this team more, and you know they basically other than adding Chris Paul and losing Jordan Poole, they also just don't have Divincenzo, and they're gonna have Gary Payton the second for a whole season. That's kind of basically your uh, and then Dario Saric in the Jamichael Green role. You know, so the very minimal changes uh, overall, but potentially significant ones. To me, can they get back to the level that they were at defensively two years ago? And I've had, they had like a really great defensive playoff run as well. Their offense was good and Steph Curry was amazing, but you know, it was really built on defense, the Memphis series beating Dallas, beating Boston. That's my question. And usually like teams that get are, are old and your three guy, best guys are old, you're not going to be great defensively. What do you think their prospects are for being a top five defense? Because to me, that's if they're not there, then they're not a contender. Yeah, as far as regular season top five defense, that isn't that hard anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <to consider>. um, <laughs> just who you're going against in the league but uh their starting lineup their established starting lineup which was really good when it was together last regular season and was really pretty much always been good even though Kevon Looney regularly is getting benched uh, and may get benched for Chris Paul again uh, at times this season but like that's a that's a really good defensive unit when Andrew Wiggins is like locked in and and you mentioned he played 37 games last season uh he had more injury issues beyond just the you know kind of mysterious absence for for a few months um but when he is like the two-way wing the the guy that in the playoffs guarded Jason Tatum well guarded Luka Doncic well you have an established wing Clay Thompson can still 
if he is your fourth best defensive player in a lineup, can still somewhat hold his own. I mean, he certainly you cannot put him on you know the best scorers uh, anymore and expect what he used to be. But if Andrew Wiggins is doing that, Clay Thompson can ju- just kind of be a component, just as Steph Curry can be a component with where, where they can be held up defensively when it's Wiggins on the wing and it's Draymond Green and Kevon Looney on the back line. I think the Draymond Green and Kevon Looney, I think, are two of the top ten best defensive bigs in the league. Draymond obviously would be like top three, top four, but I mean we can get into Looney, but like Looney has really emerged the, the last few years as a defender and a rebounder. Um, and yeah, I, I did think he slipped so, a little bit last year uh, defensively. Like I thought he wasn't as good as a switch guy necessarily. Um, I thought he wasn't maybe where, as where he is yeah. really good though. Yeah, and 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 this is to me more of the conversation we should be having defensively than like what they can rank in the regular season is like what they are as a playoff defense. Yeah, um, is you know the King series is a great example. He, I mean, he was awesome against the bonus because he's so game plan respondent and, and and can execute well in the way like the Kings that you know you're going to do a Kings preview at some point they kind of got something to solve offensively and the reason they have something to solve offensively is because of the way Steve Kerr deployed Kevon Looney against Sabonis and the way that Looney held up you know sagged off and then held up against Sabonis so I just think he that type of defensive player when you really bring the smarts and the scouting of the playoffs into it I do think he still showed a lot in the playoffs yeah no I, I mean he's still a good player I just I thought he wasn't on the ball quite as effective uh, as he had been um like as a yeah as a switch guy against guards that yeah that's fair I, and then, I, I mean, look, what what is Gary Payton the second, right? Because yeah. two seasons ago, he was such an, a defensive ace that you could just throw out there for 18 to 20, like high disruption minutes. I believe he led the league in, in steals per 36 minutes that season. Uh, he had the much discussed, uh, you know, ab surgery that, that really lingered in his Portland time. He had, uh, you know, rehab for however long it was, a month, six weeks, something like that when he got to the Warriors. And when he came back, like he still helped him in, in occasional games, but he wasn't the same player. So uh, does he get back to who he was a couple seasons ago? Then I think they start to have, you know, different versatile versatile lineups that you can go to Kaminga's another guy I think has a high upside defensively in certain lineups uh, Moody you know he's not as we've talked about in the past not that great on ball but can be a component kind of like Clay is so I think it's there um, Chris Paul another guy you know they're going to be very small but he's a smart defender yeah I, I, I mean all he has to do is be better than Jordan Poole right like like Paul has been attacked at times recently but the upgrade that he has over Poole where it's just like he'll at least fight you know, he's not going to foul. Uh, he's going to be slow. Like he guys can shoot over him, but like, and, and he'll at least execute the system. Like he's, he's a pretty big upgrade over what Jordan Poole was giving them, which was, uh, I mean, they're, they're, he's on the list of some of the worst playoff defenders of, of my lifetime, I, I would say. So I, that's, I think it, it, when you look at what he was in the playoffs compared to what Chris Paul maybe could be <laughs> if, if healthy, you know, that does seem like a pretty big upgrade to me, even if, you know, I do see Poole have a bounce back year in, in Washington. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they they did lose Mike Brown, which I think sometimes can be under-discussed. Uh, he was their defensive coordinator of the title team two years ago. Um, but the way they, they won that, the way they defended and stopped teams that season was on smarts and rotations and scouting. Uh, and that's, again, how they're going to try to do it this season. So I think it's, you know, if, if everyone's healthy, I think it's reasonable that they could still be a pretty stout defensive unit. Uh, you know, and a lot of that's on Draymond Green to still be a defensive player your candidate we got another day of nba action so it's time for your fan crew to make their bets yes, 
You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every night a watch party only on FanDuel. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets. And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. All right, let's talk about the rotation now. I mean, let's let's begin with this. Who's going to start for these guys? Uh, obviously, it's early. You're, they uh, are. You're, you're welcome to edit this later. We're recording this for posterity on August twenty second. But uh, yeah, let, well, I mean, uh, and that's the yeah. thing. Like they have purposely not. Like you could ask Steve Kerr right now. And by the way, Steve Kerr is in you know what at this point the Philippines coaching Team USA, figuring out their rotations. Um, but he, I. I thought that there was maybe a chance that they had discussed with Chris Paul prior to the trade, maybe to green light the trade that like, hey, you know, it would be a bench rule here. That was made clear to me pretty early after that hadn't been discussed. And then there was a thought, well, hey, maybe Chris Paul will just come in and, and make it easy on everybody and just say he's ready to take that role at this stage of his career. He clearly didn't do that. I'm sure everybody's seen that at this point. So they're entering camp media day, we'll even say the day before camp. As that is, I would say, the number one basketball question that will be asked about and discussed media day and into the the first five practices through the first preseason game all the way up until the opener against Chris Paul's former team, Phoenix, uh, until they declare whether Chris Paul is starting or coming off the bench. Like, that's the question. Um, And, you know... I, though there will probably be stuff discussed and wrote about, well, if Chris Paul is going to start, who should he start over? Could you take Clay out of the starting line? Could you take Draymond? It'd probably just be Looney, just from a um, like it's always the answer to that question is always Looney because of the way he'll take it and you know the schematics of it too. Now, if you're asking me who I think will start and who I think should start, it's the same answer. I do think they're going to bring Chris Paul off the bench eventually. I think they'll come to that decision after conversations that have not happened at this point that we're talking. Um, and they'll start the lineup that has, particularly from a regular season standpoint, been probably the best five-man unit in basketball the last couple of seasons. So I don't know why you split that up. Um, but first, you have to convince Chris Paul to split that up. Yeah, I mean, as I just look at 
I'm looking at hoopshype.com right now. They actually have Chris Paul as the Warriors starting point guard and Stephen Curry as the Warriors starting shooting guard. And that is, I think there are some times where you can get away with it and sometimes where it would work. And we're not even necessarily talking, to me, where that falls apart even more than an offense, where I, I don't love the fit of Chris Paul and Draymond, but on defense is where it's just, it's just not enough size and not enough athleticism. I mean, you've got Chris Paul, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. And we saw that Chris is a little bit better than Jordan Poole, but you saw that that group just was not tenable defensively. I think almost no matter who you're going to put next to them. And then you throw in like starting Draymond Green at center, like Steve Kerr has always shied away from that because he doesn't want to uh, wear Draymond Green down in some of the biggest matchups. And, you know, their rebounding would be certainly quite suspect uh, with that group as well. It just, and particularly because teams generally start bigger, it just, it would really surprise me if they went that way because that's just like totally counter the way Steve Kerr has done it uh, over the years. And I also agree with you. I think it just is not the right move to start Chris Paul. Then you also throw in that, you know, Chris is kind of injury prone and, you know, maybe you shouldn't start that way. Keep his minutes down. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I also, th- they're trying to like, you know, Steph Curry's made it very clear this summer and like every interview he's done. And by the way, he's done about, 85 of them because of the documentary he put out that you know next season has to be all about winning there can't be anything put above winning and obviously that's an allusion to what last season was for several players on the Warriors and and where it probably went haywire Um, but also I think that's that's an early hint from him that like they can't come to camp and just decide hey this is a bad strategic decision to start Chris Paul but Chris Paul should start because you know optics or because he's a, you know whatever so um there's that and then the other thing you mentioned like you know the, i think there is a an organizational desire to say chris paul like 62 games max and you know 24 minutes a game is just fine you know some nights stretch it to 30 especially when you're playing well and the matchup demands it but some nights 20 some nights 18 minutes maybe um, and you know, there's a Rick Celebrini plan that will be put in place. You know, Chris Paul and Rick Celebrini met in Las Vegas, basically, you know, five days, three days after, uh, you know, the, the trade was made official basically for a few hours. And, you know, Rick has had his medical team pour through all the data and, um, you know, that, that will be, I think, a, an interesting pairing and, and partnership this season, the Celebrini Chris Paul one, because Celebrini has so much medical power. Chris Paul is a very opinionated when it comes to this kind of stuff. And while while Celebrini has really earned the trust of a Steph, of a Draymond, of a Clay over the years through their various rehabs, he does not have that yet with Chris Paul. And and just the Chris Paul chemistry dynamic of walking into this locker room that, that we all know the history between both sides, you know, is there like those delicate conversations that need to be have between Kerr and Paul, Curry and Paul, Draymond and Paul, and Celebrini and Paul, I think will be very important. But I mean, it just does seem pretty obvious that coming off the bench, leading the second unit, closing at times on the right nights with the starters, uh, and, you know, not playing both sides of back to backs, limiting minutes, that will keep him healthy come playoff time. And I just know that that is what they're talking about behind the scenes, like getting Chris Paul healthy when it matters for the right matchups in the second round in, in the conference finals. And uh, that means not overusing him and overusing him might also include, you know, if you started him. And this was famously one of the great moments of, of this era was 
beating Houston without KD in game six in 2019 and chanting fuck Chris Paul in the locker room. I'm sure that was a memorable moment uh, for you. And yeah, I certainly like if the, the Warriors believe that Chris Paul can really help them win, then yeah, sure. That's all water under the bridge, not liking him, you know, just competing against him, all that. But if Chris Paul is going to come in with the same attitude that he's had in prior stops, and, and not to say that, I mean, he's sort of been like the guy running things and the leader and stuff. It's not even necessarily that. But if he's just like, yeah, I got to start and I got to close. And not only do I have to start and close, but I'm actually like not that good. Like I shouldn't like, like I'm sure everyone would love if he comes in and plays well enough like he did two years ago to make an argument like, hey, I realize it's not the perfect fit. This guy's just too good. We got to we got to have him start and close. Okay, like that, that's a great problem to have. What I saw on the floor from him last year, though, even when he was healthy, is not that player. I saw a guy who's a like solid starting point guard in the league and not so good that like, okay, we got to move Steph Curry to shooting guard so that we can accommodate this guy. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, th- to me, the biggest thing Chris Paul can help them with is when Steph Curry's off the court. Sure. They were, pl- I'm looking right now, they're plus 268 last season with Steph Curry on the court and minus 120 with him off the court. Um, they want to rearrange the second unit that went through like 19 iterations at time last season, right? You know, it started the season. Remember when they were trying to go Kaminga at the three, Jamichael Green at the four, James Wiseman at the five? Uh, um, I've, you know, I actually, I had a procedure performed so that I, that, that part of my brain has yes. actually been removed. Um, and you know, it, it, it shifted 25 times, but there was various times it was Ty Jerome at the one Anthony Lamb at the four. And, um, it just, it like, it just never found itself. I, I mean, there was, there were certain strings of games and part of the reason why Steve Kerr kept going to Anthony Lamb was like, you know, a lot of times those lineups did perform decently, um, but this year, I think they just there should be more stability and just easier answers, easier combinations for for Steve Kerr to just trust early, uh, and that includes you know Chris Paul running the show, Dario Saric, who Chris Paul played with and played well with in Phoenix in the second unit. Uh, you know, there's there's you you can go look at various clips of them running pick and rolls and and, and different stuff. So Saric as as your stretch uh, big off the bench, uh, Kaminga potentially as a pick and roll partner with Chris Paul, Moses Moody fitting into that rotation. And then obviously, you know, you throw a Wiggins, you throw a clay as like a stretch guy. Um, you know, it's, it, it makes sense to start the second and fourth quarters or end the first start the second, however you want to, you know, do Steph Curry's rotation this season. Um, but they should be theoretically better, much better with Steph Curry out the floor. If Chris Paul is even 85% of what he was in Phoenix and, if you're a net zero with Steph Curry off the floor, you know, most times this season, that's a huge one. Yeah, as I think about some of the combinations, the second group, Paul, I like Sharich and Kaminga together. Uh, I, as I noted, I don't think Chris and Draymond are a, a great pairing because I don't think Chris can really beat a switch anymore. And Draymond is not like a great finisher at the rim. And and he's not even really going to like, you know, kind of get a seal the way that Charge would. Uh, and, you know, playing Draymond and Kuminga together could be a little bit difficult. Like, Chris, I mean, you really need to give him as much shooting as possible. I, I really like the fit of Clay and Chris Paul on the second unit for that reason. And, you know, Chris can kind of get Clay the ball in his spots as well, coming off of screens and find Kuminga, get into the rim. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think that that foursome of Clay, Chris Paul, Kuminga, and Charge, and then, you know, throw else. Uh, 
throw in a Moody or, or Moody. Wiggins or something yeah. maybe with them. Or if you got to get Pajemski some minutes, maybe you can do it with that group. I, I kind of like that. And then you just keep the Steph Curry Draymond pairing together through, you know, most of the first quarter. Uh, and I, I think that would be pretty good. Um, yeah. It, it took, it took you about 45 minutes, but you, you slipped in a Pajemski. I, I cannot believe it. <laughs> I don't think we'll talk about him too much. Uh, but No, I don't think so. I actually think their other rookie is more, uh, I guess, uh, reasonable as a, as, as a potential late rotation piece. Uh, yeah, talking about Trace Jackson Davis. Yeah, because he's really the only rim roller on this team. So Chris Paul usually yeah, plays uh, well with that. I mean, you know, you could... you. I think Kaminga could be, but uh, I agree with what you're saying. Um, yeah, and I, I think uh, he passes it well, rebounds it well. He's old, obviously. That's why he dropped in the draft. I say old, I mean he's 23, but he's uh, you know old, was older for a draft prospect. I uh, do kind of think he he might nudge his way into the to the bench conversation early, uh, and I do. There are people who believe that might be the case also. Yeah, so I I think. To me, one of the biggest questions is, uh, like, this is kind of taking shape to me as how it should be throughout the game. The closing lineup, though, you know, I think think you really could go with any of four guys with that group. It could be Chris, Gary Payton the second, you know, as you noted, we'll kind of see where he's at. But if he can get back to the level he was a couple years ago, but not worth noting, he's older than you think because it took him a while to get, I think he's 30 now. And, you know, bare Carolina athleticism. And, you know, you could see it last year was that. The injury is that just the, the fact that he's getting older could be both. And you know, Kaminga's another guy who I think is like almost like a taller Gary Payton the second, but he'll have to improve his his fit with Draymond is not great. He'll have to improve his three point shooting and improve his defensive communication, and of course uh, the rebounding, which was the biggest thing that I think Steve Kerr and, and Kaminga cited is why he wasn't playing at all in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean they love to mention that rebounding stat. I mean Steve Kerr going back to Kaminga's rookie season. Um, We'll talk about Sean Marion as who he, in some ways, wishes like Kaminga would pro- attempt to profile his game after. And that's not just Steve Kerr watching. Like Steve Kerr was the GM at times with when Sean Marion in Phoenix, and it's you know sprint the floor as hard as you can, defend multiple positions, hit the corner three when it's open, but don't obsess over shooting the three. Um, but yeah, rebound. I I, I don't know. I, I don't have off the top of my head what. Uh, Sean Marion's rebound numbers were oh, it was massive, uh, but it was incredible. He was yeah. averaging like ten rebounds a game, I think, as yeah. the, as so, the four. Yeah, Kaminga. Let me look right now. Uh, Three point four rebounds through his first two seasons, which you know it's not. It's not. Like, I mean, he played seventeen minutes and twenty minutes a game. I mean, it's not on like a full minute total. He'll run into some rebounds at times, but it's just there's too many you know whiffed box outs or. Uh, non-aggressive situations where he's kind of just watching and not, you know, cracking a body or just using that athleticism. Like that's what they want the most out of him. Like use the athleticism as your number one tool, not the skill package. And, you know, Kaminga had two straight pretty good months of basketball to end last season when Andrew Wiggins disappeared. And I think part of the frustration that was very obvious from Jonathan Kaminga in the playoffs was the fact that in a lot of ways he did what the coaching staff asked for him, um, asked of him late in the season and was not rewarded because Gary Payton the second and Andrew Wiggins showed up come playoff time. And because of that, because they didn't need Kaminga's individual defense as much because those were their two individual defenders. Uh, and because Kerr had concerns about him as a rebounder. He just got completely ripped from the rotation. And in some ways, you know, that's an embarrassing thing for a young player who, who believes he's going to be as good as Kaminga believes he's going to be. Um, but, you know, I he's going to enter next season with, with, with 
more of a rotation shot, I think, you know, a definite more firmer one. He's going to have to rebound, as you mentioned. But the thing is, like, he's going to want to score. I mean, you saw what he just scored 60 in a, a, you know, pro-am up in Seattle. And, you know, everything you see of him this summer, you know, he's getting to his mid-range and he's he's working on his dribble package. And, and you know, he's of the belief you know like he could be a 20 point per game score i mean he's always kind of you could tell like views himself long term in like the paul george type realm you know i'm just yeah. i'm just you know using a, a high scoring two-way yeah. forward he hasn't said the name paul george to me but like that's what he believes he's going to be and he wants to get into that package and the warriors obviously don't need that that's been kind of the tug of war um and i don't like that's still going to be there in year three because he's still going to want to blossom more as that while they're still going to kind of in a lot of ways want to keep him in a sean marion box and you can say about the funny thing about sean marion right he kind of always resented in some ways what he wasn't allowed to do um but still performed the role that 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 was needed in phoenix um, I don't think Kaminga is nearly as much of a natural rebounder as Marion was, or in some ways, some of the natural stuff that that Marion could do on the floor. But um, if it's such a it's such a big thing for them this season to unlock what Kaminga can be, because I think you even see it like this isn't a Wiseman scenario. Like Jonathan Kaminga's got some stuff to him that I think can be a good NBA player, but it's about getting it out of him. It's that it, to me, it's such a, it, it's so important for the coaching staff to do that. It's just a really hard task for them, but if it can be done, that really does raise their ceiling. Yeah. And they just desperately need more athleticism at this point in time and more ability to run. And like Kaminga, like if he's out there, you know, just with his activity, a lot of times, like he, he, if he plays 20 minutes, like he's not going to have three points, you know, like he'll score just activity, offensive rebound, running the floor, just to get into alley-oops, uh, et cetera. I believe he led them in paint points last season. Mm. Yeah. Not exactly a team that attacked the paint <laughs> a ton uh, a season ago. And, and yeah, especially with, uh, but yeah. I mean, that's the, like speaks to your point. They don't get it a lot, but he does do it in bursts when he does. I mean, there was a game I remember he had like nine dunks. Um, you know, it, he, yeah, he'd have like 25 minutes, 22 points. Um, uh, there was games where he was their lockdown individual defender. I can remember in Utah when he, uh, in, in crunch time stood up Jordan Clarkson, blocked his shot. And Jordan Clarkson was so mad that he like put his fists up. Stuff, he got ejected because he tried to like fight Kaminga. <laughs> uh, there was those type of situations. Uh, still, you know, you have questions about him as a team defender, but if you just put him on a score and you can even have him pick up full court and then utilize him as like a screener dunker spot guy. And if he accepts that role, if he comes to the gym with energy, um, he's intriguing. And the truth is teams do not respect his three point shot necessarily still, which is a problem from a spacing perspective. You mentioned his problems, uh, you know, fitting next to Draymond or Looney. He actually, hit threes last year you know he shot 37 percent from three last season yeah and he's 35.3 percent from his career yeah it's it's but yeah it's like psychologically when teams are just letting him shoot and that's kind of what i mean we've seen some guys like that steve kerr kind of doesn't really want him to shoot threes it's like you know you can get in your head i know well but it's weird because it's like you would think well maybe if he improves his three-point shot this summer i'm like he hits the three teams just don't teams just beg him to shoot it and that's become the problem but it's like you almost it, like don't like I it seems like the Warriors don't necessarily want him to improve the three this summer they almost want him to stop thinking as much about the three even though if you're arguing from her, his side it's like dude I hit 37 percent from three like that's considered like pretty solid in the league 
So, yeah, and it was tough for them in the playoffs, too, with him because they were behind the eight ball in every series, right? They're down 0-2 to the Kings. They are down 0-1 to the Lakers. Uh, lost the first game at home, and Steve Kerr had to go to the guys that he trusted. Like, there was no allowing Jonathan Kaminga to, like, oh, let's see if he can help us this series. Like, they, they were desperate, as they were, of course, uh, from the start of the regular season as well. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Let's talk about Moody for a second. Why is it that he didn't play all season and then all of a sudden Steve Kerr like puts him in the rotation ahead of a bunch of other guys in, in the playoffs? Like, what is the explanation for that? He's had like an odd couple seasons, <laughs> you know? He's, it's like you even go back to his rookie season. He was out of the rotation most of the season. And then suddenly he's like making plays in the West Finals against Dallas as a rookie. And then he's out of the rotation to start the season, basically. Uh it, if you go back to early in the season when they were really trying to reconfigure just odd rotation choices, um, they wanted to play Kaminga, but they want, but because they wanted to play Wiseman also, they ended up playing Kaminga at the three, Wiseman at the five, the Jamaica, the that experience early in the season, and that left Moody briefly out of the rotation early, and then even when he was in it. Um, that you know, they felt he was kind of a little bit turnover prone on the way to, on his way to the rim. I don't think he's been the individual defender they would hoped. I think uh, at times he's getting better laterally, athletically, but uh, but he can kind of be blown by at times mm-hmm. um, by, by 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 quicker players. And the fact that he wasn't that he was foul prone at times, and that was such a big thing that, that you know, like not just with him but with the whole team early last season. Um, and you know, in some ways, I you know, I just. I think he was unfairly plucked from the rotation, but also needed to uh, sharpen up areas of his game. Like there would be too many times the ball would be kicked up to him instead of like catch either shoot an open three, you know, they call it obviously point five, but shoot an open three, pass it off and go space, go cut, whatever it would be catch, go to the rim. You know how many times he would frantically go to the rim and try one of those like up and under layups that might get blocked because he doesn't have the athleticism to get up and finish it. Or mm-hmm. uh, he would jump stop pivot and he'd be trapped and try a pass and it would bumble out of bounds or something like that. Like there were situations like that, that I think Kerr had a quick, trigger pull on him and also he was just a little bit buried rotationally because of you know how they were trying to you know fit certain guys in that you know the divincenzo signing the you know peyton arrival uh, a lot of that i think you know kind of um log jammed him a little bit but at the same time they said he was really good behind the scenes for like two months practice wise and like earned a shot in the rotation and then i don't know he kind of fits playoff basketball uh, yeah. it, it seems i mean i like just as a role guy who knows what he's going to do, he's 
like extremely mature in his approach. So one of the things I know he does is like study, uh, you know, scouting reports, all that. So more than most young players, I think he can execute how, uh, you know, coaching staff needs execution in the playoffs. But also, I like, I don't know. I just think he probably should have played more. I mean, that's a, the easiest answer is like he should have just played more. Andrew Wiggins season. missed half the season. Uh, but I mean, like the crazy thing to me is like, all right, you don't think this guy was good enough to play? when your starting three was out for half the season and like Steph Curry misses a bunch of games, like he's still out of the rotation in those games. It's like, oh, now that we're in the playoffs, uh, like down two games to zero against the Kings, like he's going to play now. Like it just, it never, it, it's like, okay, you don't trust the guy except when it really matters. I, I just, it never made any sense to me that like, like what, it, what, what changed was like, oh, now we're going to go to this guy. I mean, I guess they just needed somebody who's going to be a reasonably big body who could actually take and make some shots. But it was, uh, I, I thought they needed that during the regular season too. One of the things I know, it, it's, it's a little bit, it's, it's not part of Moody's reputation as this just like plug and play three and D he'll just kind of play his role and stay out of the way when he needs to. But he actually has a thirst to score a little bit more of a thirst Mm -hmm. to score than, than his reputation suggests. And I do think that was a problem early in his second season where he, you know, he had been pretty good in that playoffs as a rookie. And I think he just like kind of was like ready also to take a little bit of an offensive leap while Kaminga wanted an offensive leap. James Wiseman wanted his touches when he was out there. Jordan Poole was, you know, about as high usage as a second unit point guard can be. Clay is, you know, jacking it up every time he touches the ball. Wiggins needs to get his shots up. Steph is Steph. Like, I think there was a little of that and, and that made it for a worse fit. Like, I, I, I do think there was a little bit of Moody having to throttle himself back a little bit from what he was early in his second season. So some of that, but again, like, I'm with you generally like he should have just played more yeah it is funny to hear you say oh yeah they had all these guys need a chest like oh yeah in the playoffs they actually had one guy who could like dribble and do anything at all <laughs> by, by yeah the end, right? but you know what i'm saying no, I, right? no, like, with I all those guys just, like, it, it is funny that's like all these guys think that they're gonna do more and you know, some of them weren't even on the team really uh still but uh it, it is kind of funny to say not every clay just has to be steph curry just dribbling and you know beating his man and then we'll, we'll work out of that uh all right ready to any let's talk about this here any other like big strengths and weaknesses that we haven't talked about with these guys before we get into predictions yeah you know i am gonna be curious about those turnover numbers early in the season because it's such an emphasis from kerr um this summer and you know it's not even just chris paul it's like okay if chris paul's not playing on a particular night Steve Kerr's going to Corey Joseph. And part of the reason they love Corey Joseph is like assisted turnover ratio. I think there's a chance they could have potentially got like a Malik Beasley, you know, maybe at the minimum this summer and and clearly prioritized, you know, after they didn't, you know, struck out on Eric Gordon, it was like, okay, go get a, a safe extra guard. Uh, Dario Sarge, safe player. Um, so I, I just think that they're trying to change their reputation somewhat. They're still at their, at, you know, the, the, br- their brand will still be frantic, you know, up and down Jack and threes type offense because of who their best players are. But at the same time, I do think that they're go. you know, I, I, I would consider it a big weakness. You ask strengths and weaknesses, their weakness is ball security, but maybe that's curbed somewhat enough to where they feel a lot more comfortable. Yeah, I mean, I guess the big thing, and we hit it on it some, but it probably bears repeating for me, is just like age and injuries, right? I, I think if you look at the 
and maybe even at the bottom to a age and a lack of experience with Moody and Kamingo. But there's certainly a scenario in which, hey, wow, they got a pretty solid 10-man rotation here. And yeah, you know, if uh, one of the point guards misses time, Corey Joseph, he's uh, the Steve Kerr model of a, a third point guard. And, you know, maybe Pajemski or Jackson Davis can give him like a few minutes here and there or something, or one of the two-way guys, you know, Quinones can come in or something and, and have a nice game for you here and there. Like on paper, this group goes 10 deep in guys that, you know, have some pretty good pedigree, are established rotation players, uh, et cetera. You know, we haven't talked about Charge much. Hopefully he can, uh, being, he's not that old, he should be able to contribute, you'd think, being two years removed now from the ACL. Uh, but, I mean, you don't even have to get into Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and Draymond Green possibly getting hurt just due to age, even though those guys have decent health records. But then you got Chris Paul, and Peyton is kind of a question mark with his athleticism. And so, I, I and then the possibility of just age related to kind of like, you know, Chris Paul could just be done this year, right? Like, he's, it's, this is, he's be 39 by the way. I would playoffs, like to right? ask you, like, what did you think? You mentioned defensively, you thought obviously he's taking some steps back. How about offensively? What did you see from him last season? I thought the biggest issue, like, he tried to take more spot up threes, and we haven't really talked about that much, but he's going to clearly have to do more of that when he is playing with Steph and Draymond. Uh, and he tried to do more of that as the season went on. You know, his passing is still good. What I thought is he really seemed to have trouble stopping on a dime and rising up for that mid-ranger. And when he could kind of throw the ball out in front of him, take two steps and really like pop off the ground, like that jumper could look good. But there are other times like he just wasn't getting off the ground. He wasn't, didn't have the same window to get it off. He was rushing it. He just wasn't, that mid-ranger just wasn't as accurate and as deadly, I think, as it's been in the past. And, you know, he's not, he and beating guys on switches, he did that actually reasonably well uh, in, early on in the 2022 playoffs. And then that kind of fell off a, a little bit too. Um, and so, you know, I think he definitely was in decline athletically. Like you could really see it watching him. And it's that's the sort of thing that it is somewhat difficult to imagine is going to turn around. But he still, you know, remains a great passer and... Uh, you know, he'll be a, a good communicator defensively, like he'll fight in the post some and stuff. So it's, I think, you know, to, to me, where he played last year is kind of you know, a lower end starting point guard, you, you know, kind of maybe, maybe not lower end, but kind of, you know, in like the like 17 to 22 range in the league, something like that. Yeah, that's just what they need really especially I don't know, style play we'll see but again like how many games does he play yeah does, well and, and and available and right like most important games yeah i mean to me like i don't think this the fit with him and steph is great i don't think the fit with him and draymond is great like sure if he can you can keep steph's minutes down by also playing chris paul and not getting killed when steph's off the floor and chris can step in as a starter when steph is out although that gets a little dicey because you know him with draymond and looney is uh you know i don't love that either but uh, yeah, know. that's how you protect him defensively. But then, you know, you have three guys essentially offensively that not that you don't fear Chris Paul from three, but he's not the floor spacer. Uh, you well, know, I mean, teams don't fear him from three like they were leaving him. Yeah, no, you're uh, right. And you're right. I, I mean, he get, definitely tried to take more, but he just has never been a high volume guy. Like he doesn't really shoot threes on the move at all. You know, he has to kind of be wide open. He'll load up. I think he just like kind of like James Harden, actually, too, where it's just like he's for so long. He just always had the ball. That's like, what spot up three? Like, you know, OK, maybe if I'm wide open. But, you know, so so that that'll be interesting. this team. Is, yeah. yeah, this team is really going to miss the best version of Jordan Poole. You know, the Jordan Poole they got two seasons ago during the regular. You know, he's an 82 game player. He played all 82 last year. Um, he 
has always been good as a spot starter in Clay's place when they went 18-2 and during that stretch or in Steph's place when he ended the season basically 50-40-90 for a month, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. Last year he averaged, you know, I think around like 24 per game on pretty good uh, efficiency as a starter. Um the the starting bench thing and you know he kind of like his season spiraled in a lot of ways but i do think he gets to the rim a little bit better than anybody else on their team gets to the line a little bit more he's not incredible in those you know areas you know i know you have your your issues with 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 what he became as an isolation score last season compared to the season before that's something that washington needs to deal with obviously next season but there are ways that they're going to really miss him, particularly in the regular season. And, and, and Paul does not fill those avenues. No, I think you're right on that. And yeah, now maybe Andrew Wiggins doing a little more scoring and Moses Moody doing a little more scoring can help them. But yeah, I mean, they really, you know, Clay playing a little bit better. But yeah, I, I think they will miss that. But and he was just so bad in the playoffs that you just you can't. And he was frankly was not very good, uh, you know, on the as the second unit guy either, right? Like if you put him with Draymond, ironically enough, like that's what kind of stabilized their second unit. Uh, but when he when Poole well, didn't play with Draymond, the side yeah. of that is yeah. like you put him in a pretty bad scenario. You know, you put him with the Wiseman Jamichael uh, pairing, and then it was like Anthony Lamb and 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 various just odd combinations that didn't exactly um you know like let's say this season instead of chris paul it's him sarich you know a better kaminga clay and moody or something like that you're probably gonna get a better jordan pool but also well well, he's not a point guard is the problem like he needed really a draymond green as a distributor and he couldn't really get to his spots and operate in pick and roll but anyway that's probably we can we could re- relitigate this when he's averaging 35 a game in washington this year but 35 I, I, Ooh, baby. yeah it's, it's no, slight, slight exaggeration um huh. so all right let, let's uh let's get into it here with predictions ah the sweet sound of sports you love from sling the collide of football pads the squeak of shoes on a basketball court the crack of the bat on a home run The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I, I will go first. You know, it's interesting. They ended up with a better point differential by the end of the year. than, uh, And they actually ended up getting, you know, that six seed. They did make it into the playoffs proper, avoided the play, and they had a big push at the end. Everybody's numbers are going to go up towards the end of the year because you're going up against a bunch of tanking teams, but they won a bunch of games in a row towards the end. You know, But famously, they didn't have to play like Sacramento's starters on the last day of the regular season. They beat Portland by 50 in a game that they had to have that Portland uh, also had to have in a different way. So, I mean, even that Portland game winning by 50 probably juiced their numbers a lot. Uh, they ended up with a win total actually way below their point of rational in part because of that end of the year. It wasn't that way for most of the year. Um, but yeah, eighth on offense, 12th on defense per clean the glass. 
you know, this feels like kind of a, you know, number 10 offense, number 10 defense type of team when you price in injuries, you price in possible age, right? Like I think there is a maybe a version of this team that could have stretches where they're close to top five on both sides of the floor. Uh, But I can't really, as I think about it now, project one end of the floor or the other to be truly a leader. Are you at that point as well? What do you think of that? Yeah, I think that's right. I do think there's a there's a um, a world where the defense returns the the form of two seasons ago, and that was the big story of, of that eighteen and two start and everything after, and even in the playoffs, like they were just a, an elite defense, uh, and they were an elite defense not with rim protection at all or anything that they don't. It was basically the same type of rotation that they're going to have this season. So the, a lot of that was giving a shit um, in the regular season. And I do think they're going to have that much more than the past season because I, I do think there is there is a realization uh, organizationally and particularly from the core that this this might be it. Uh, and I just think they're going to really attack it this season. You get a couple extra months or, you know, whatever, an extra month or so uh, of a summer, which I do think matters. You know, they always have said matters. You know, when the difference between playing into late June and winning the title and then celebrating a title compared to being pissed off in, you know, mid or early May because you got eliminated does really help your summer and your preparation and your hunger level. So I do think that could show up on a defensive rating standpoint yeah and you know if clay thompson doesn't come into camp like needing to be protected from uh you know working too hard because he's just not in shape that that would probably help him too it would help yes um (laughs) so what's your uh you going with like a predicted record yeah it's so hard because it's still all the same guys right and and they're they still are able to summon the magic on occasion and yeah like Steph Curry like Draymond Green was the defensive player of the year and Steph Curry to me was uh when he was playing you know was at a top five player you know close to an MVP type of level I actually for the first like month and a half or so I think he actually was uh, my MVP uh so it's just a question of like and all these guys have shown flashes like there were moments last year when all these guys played really well but they just could never put it together I do think they'll be better than last year I'm gonna go ahead and predict that I'm gonna put these guys on i'm gonna put them on 40 i'm gonna call it 48 wins you know one of the things about last year not you know in the road record obviously 11 and 30 which is insane but um so many avoidable dumb losses um that you know blowing a four-point lead in charlotte um the loss in detroit the they blew a huge you know double-digit fourth quarter lead in minnesota i can remember uh uh, a bad situation in dallas at the end um the do you remember the utah game where uh clay just fell asleep and they gave up a corner three to malik beasley when they were up four with like four seconds left and then jordan Poole just let utah strip him and uh you know score late so they basically gave up a four-point lead in the last five seconds there was just those really piled up over the season and led to the 11 and 30 road record and in a lot of ways led to what was 44 and 38 um where i just think with the way they're going to mentally attack this season and with the the 
added injection of veterans like Chris Paul, who you would think in situations like, you know, Utah when you're up late will just hug the ball, take the foul, make the free throws. Um, I just think that's, that's an extra handful of wins. And so that gets you up 48, 49, 50 type range. I don't think they're a significantly different team because their core is almost entirely the same, but I just think they will be better and, and care more. And I think that's, I'll go, I'll go 49 wins and, you know, if it's the West of, of last season, 49 wins is the three seed. If it's the West of most seasons in the past, that's, you know, six, seven seed potentially. So I think a lot of what they're going to be, particularly from like how we'll view their season is, is what really goes on around them. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And I think there, there are some reasons to think like there are a lot of teams that really just could not get out of their own way in the West. Like the, a bunch of these teams had the same sort of season like the Warriors where they would just have all these false starts. Oh, it's finally coming out. No, no. I mean, really, it was the Nuggets were the only team that was able to be consistent throughout the season. So, uh, yeah, you know, you've got Memphis with job missing 25 games uh, in all likelihood and you know, there there doesn't seem to be that obviously I, I'm a little higher on Phoenix than some but you know I think I, I clearly would pick Phoenix and the Nuggets to be ahead of the Warriors but I, I don't know who else I'm going to pick to be right around there you know I think they'll, they'll be kind of in the mix with the Lakers as well but uh yeah you know I think as a best case scenario like there's because of the age and possible resting you know it's hard for me to see these guys getting into the mid 50s uh but also, it's it's just it's hard to imagine things going as poorly as they did last year, unless just the individuals involved, like Steph and Draymond, just fall aren't as good anymore, right? Like those, if those guys just fall off, then you know we're just looking at a a team that's a playing team. Yeah, I mean, look the difference in the West last season. Let me look the Kings forty eight. Well, let's even just go the Suns. The Suns won forty five. They were a playing team. The Pelicans won forty two, and they were the tenth. They weren't even just a playing team. They were the last playing team. Um, or I guess Thunder were, sorry, Thunder were 40 and 42. They just won, so they changed in the standings. But, um, yeah, and, and the Suns yeah, so, I mean, avoided it's a, it's the, th- th- avoided the play-in, obviously. Uh, yeah, as, as it's a thin player. margin, but I think one of the things that makes the Warriors more optimistic than last season is they just believe those handful of games I mentioned that really decides who you are in a lot of ways. Are you a play-in team or are you the three or four seed? It's it's six games that could have gone either way. Last year, the Warriors were just punting every one of those games away, and they believe this year they'll just take it more serious and have smarter individual basketball players that will help them gather those wins instead of punt them away. We'll see. Yeah, I'm a little skeptical of that because, you know, through most of the season, their point differential was right in line with what they were. It wasn't like, oh, hey, we're winning all these. Like, they never blew anyone out last year. Like, that was to me was the bigger thing. Like, it was very until the very end when a bunch of teams were applying. They would never even for great theater and and Chase Center and and even in road arenas. Right. It was always good games. Yeah. But like, I mean, they had a number of miraculous escapes at home that I thought were pretty much counteracting some of those road ones. But that's, of course, you never when you're especially when you're a good team, you never think about the miraculous escapes at home. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I think this is, do you think there is a, what would you put their like championship odds at as a percentage? Well, quickly. And yeah. and I will answer that. Okay. 
the other the other uh, factor here is also how they attack these the you know they have 15 back-to-backs which is again tied for the most in the league same as they had last year they i mentioned punting away wins late that they should have won they literally just punted away games before they even started like a handful of them last year by just mass resting a bunch of their guys oh yeah i'm curious if this uh, if this season maybe they you know, particularly with Steph Curry and Chris Paul, do they split the rest of those two and have Chris Paul start at point guard one night and then, you know, uh, the night that Steph might sit, Chris Paul, you know, you you just obviously split the rest. Does Clay Thompson play both nights of back-to-backs more than he did last season because he started too late? So maybe they just go after more games than they did last season. To your original question on uh, championship percentage, oh, gosh. Um what would you normally consider like I don't know the the sixth to eighth best team in the NBA's like championship percentage? I don't know. Yeah, you know. They, well, okay. Problem. So I mean, that's that's reasonable. To say if they're the sixth to eighth best team, you know, I guess they made the final eight last year. So yeah, you know, probably in the five percent range. Yeah, that's fair. And then maybe you give them a bump just because of who they are from a, like as a playoff entity, who they've proven to be. You know, you don't have in many of the questions you have on other teams. Like, can they get over the hump? Do they know how to, you know, close out a series? That type of stuff. Like, you know, if they are, are up 3-2 on a team, like you expect them to have the type of killer instinct. So, I don't know. I'll go with 8 to 10% chance. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I might be a little bit lower than that. Uh, last question before we get you out of here. Do you think they're going to try it all for the NBA Cup? Like, do you think that, like, for this group, like, do you think that they're they will put any special emphasis on that whatsoever? Or is it just like, hey, you know, if we make it fine, we're just going to treat these like regular season games to get into it? I think the first couple they will treat like regular season games. Basically, I mean, they'll go after it. Like, as far as like, I don't think they'll they're going to have a mass rest night just randomly on uh, you know one of those first couple cup game nights. But I don't think they actually like put the you know they they shifted a gear up until. It's maybe if the fourth of those four games, like, hey, win and you you make the quarterfinals, like maybe they'll go after that one a little harder. And then they are kind of showmen in a lot of ways, is particularly Steph, that if they get to Vegas or even, you know, forget just Vegas, if they get to those court, like if they win their little like pod, um, then I think the elimination game that they'd either have at home or I guess like, I don't know, however that works, that first one that's not in Vegas, I think they'd go after that one a little bit. And then particularly if they get to Vegas on the showcase stage, I think that's a night Steph would really try to kind of like, you know, put on a show. Um, and, and I think the league would love for that scenario to play itself out. Yeah. I mean, their group is Kings, Wolves, Thunder, Spurs. Yeah. I mean, so they probably should be favored for that, although they could. I mean, I think it's going to be interesting too, because if you just take an L that you weren't supposed to take early in that, it's only four games. So you could basically, if they just like happen to lose that Spurs game or something, then it's just like, all right, well, we're not going to try anymore because we're we're not. Gonna yeah, exactly. That, that, again, I don't think it matters to them until it, they know that night is basically like winning you advance, losing you don't, um, and that may never present itself. And I think that'll be the case for a lot of teams across the league. Yeah. Now the good thing is, I think none of those games are back to back anywhere in the league. Like they are, they are. So I think they're going to actually try to make those matter. I I hope they try. I think it'll be really interesting. I'm I'm going to actually cover it uh, like it matters, uh, and hopefully uh, we'll get to hang out together in Vegas uh, if they make it. Uh, but I wouldn't mind going to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mr. Slater, thank you so much uh, for joining us, and uh, of course subscribe to the All eighty two slash Warriors plus minus feed where I will be making a few appearances surely uh, throughout the season. Uh, thanks, yeah, man. All right, thanks for having me. 
Hope you enjoyed this free episode of Dunkdown. Once again, if you'd like to get all the team previews, you can subscribe to Dunkdown Prime at dunkdown.supportingcast.fm. That's dunkdown.supportingcast.fm. We got another day of NBA action, so it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every night a watch party only on FanDuel. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.